0: Longhorn pod on twitter choose an email longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com you can also follow us on facebook and instagram the longhorn republic on both my name is gerald goodridge i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who's absolutely out of adjectives to describe the basketball team kyle carpenter kyle how are you uh
1: luckily this is a packed show there's plenty Plenty to talk about, so we don't have to spend that much time. This is a perfect UT basketball week. There's good, there's bad, there's ugly, there's beautiful, there's awful, there's wonderful. Uh, There's a roller coaster, and that feels like the past, I don't know, 20 years of this program, but certainly the shock air. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about basketball, but in general, Gerald had a much warmer weekend. How about you? Uh, You doing all right? I'm doing really well. Um it got
0: like into the fifties ish, fifty five ish here in, in OKC and so uh, we went out in the backyard and, like, let the kid run around. I actually built a fire in the fire pit because why not? Like, it was going to get cold. So, we, like, we ate outside next to the fire pit. It was actually a really, wow. really incredible weekend with the fam enjoying, um, you know what, weather that wasn't actively trying to kill us. So, it was <laughs> enjoyable. But we've got a lot to cover tonight. We normally say that, oh, yeah. but I do mean a lot when we say that. We've got some recruiting news. Texas got two huge commitments over the weekend, the basketball team has played in several games and has a couple more left in the regular season. Baseball played not one, not two, not three, but four games against BYU over the weekend, so we'll talk that. We'll down the 40 because this was like the most jam packed weekend of Texas sports we have ever experienced. We'll hit Bird Orange Lindsay real quick, obviously, then we'll close the show with some Godzilla and we bang the. Drum. So we'll start with the recruiting because this was uh, kind of a lightning bolt over the weekend. And Kyle, you actually missed some of this because you did the smart thing and were off the
1: grid. I was completely unplugged. I, I went to a, a took my wife to a bed and breakfast. Uh, booked this months and months ago. Um, bed and breakfast out in the middle of, of nowhere, um, outside of uh, Brenham, I guess, Texas, and uh, had no cell service. No. No internet, uh, except if we went to the main house on the property, which was like a drive away and connected there. And I chose not to uh, very often. So um, I checked Friday before I left, saw some of this, and I checked back in uh, Sunday. And a lot had happened. I spent all day Sunday basically catching up, watching uh, watching some sports, reading some uh, updates, kind of catching up. It, it, it was a whirlwind, Gerald. You did a masterful job handling our Twitter, but also, um, you, you stood—you stood like Atlas with all of this information on your shoulders, and and you held firm and you made it through. But but man, a lot, a lot. Start right at the top. This is this is exciting stuff.
0: So while Kyle was being a good husband <laughs> and focusing on his wife, I was like, hey babe, there's this big there's this big recruiting thing that's happening on the internet real fast. So uh, kind of out of nowhere. Um, Started being some rumblings, some grumblings that a player, a commitment was going to happen. Our favorite, Jaden Blue, tweeted something very cryptic a couple hours after a Texas recruiting staffer also tweeted something very cryptic. So the message boards started blowing up. And then Crystal balls started flying in. For a 2023 prospect, somebody we hadn't really discussed but everybody knows about, and sure enough, 2023 running back Ruben Owens from El Campo High School outside of Houston, 5'11", 187-pound running back, the number one player in the state of Texas for 2023, number two running back in the country, number 26 overall, basically was thought to be an OU lean right up until everything started rolling for Texas, Uh, absolutely dynamic athlete at a running back, and just continued... Continues an absolute run of killers for Stan Drayton.
1: Yeah, I mean Bijan Blue, Brooks Black Unicorn beats Battlestar Galactica. Um, no, I mean it, it is Stan Drayton, Stan the Man. Um, we we we've said it before, but you shall not utter uh, one one bit of of, of filth. Uh, his direction, uh, he's bought himself at least a couple years, and honestly, he probably never deserved a single shred of it in the first place. Again, if you listen to this podcast, you know that, but um, just keeps it going. Like, that running back room is just so stinking solid. We just talked about a couple guys. We're not talking about, you know, Roshan Johnson still being there. We're not, um, you know, talking about the fact that some of these guys will, will, will get a chance to be completely fresh uh you know, is a freshman with with other guys already have pounded 150 yards ahead of them um the way Alabama does, right? Like just stacking a running back room like this where you have five stars behind five stars and great. You know, Bijan wins a Heisman goes, you know, goes pro, next man up. Like that is an exciting thing. When we brought Alabama coaching staff, uh the idea is to bring Alabama slash Texas in, in a few years ago, uh, talent pipeline and have this problem right where you just have too much talent. That's the problem that we're looking forward to having. And and again, if you're a subscriber to the uh, the doctrine of all uh, gas and and none of the breaks, then then this is exactly what you expected. And I think a perfect way to start. Not again. This is the 2023 class, so a sophomore this past year, um, but a guy who just it looks you know from seeing that tape that it's only going to get better and it's only going to be more electric, but to start by, uh, it's a long way to go, long way to go, don't don't get me wrong, but to start by ripping something, um, making Texas fans happy and at the same time making A&M, excuse me, OU fans weep tears of sadness, that's, my friend, is a double whammy from the Black Unicorn uh, from the El Campo Ricebirds, one of my favorite high school mascots in the country.
0: Recruiting is one in two different phases. Getting them to commit is honestly the easier of the two parts. Getting them to stay committed mm. is the harder of the two parts. And in 2022 signing day is a long way off, much less 2023. Right. We've got we've got two full recruiting cycles to go. And so there's a lot that can play out, but this just speaks to one the the immediate bump of, in Recruiting ability and prestige that that Steve Sarkisian and his staff have brought in, but also just the momentum that they're creating without having to play a single game. Can you imagine if they keep this level of recruiting momentum up and then win like ten or eleven games? Like what it's going to be? Kids are going to have it, it's going to quickly turn into like early stage Mac Brown, where it's like I'm pretty much done by football season, <laughs> and then I've got like one or two guys that I'm trailing. Um, and I'm honestly praying that blessing for our friend Mike Roach, who had a crazy wild weekend. I was I was messaging him and guys just busy 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 but Ruben Owens is a special player as a sophomore rushed for 1500 yards and 22 touchdowns on just 140 attempts, so averaging more than 10 yards per carry. He's also, and this is kind of the other big thing, he's, one, connected with a lot of the guys on the 7-on-7 seven seven scene. He plays um, against a lot of guys that are committed um, in the 2022 class, and he's also close with several Houston-area linemen that Texas is actively recruiting in the 2022 class. If you haven't looked at the 2022 offensive line recruiting, there are a lot of uh, small numbers next to large men from the state of Texas. <laughs> and so um, this is a pivotal class for Kyle And, again, there's a lot left to be said. So, speaking of the 2022 class, it was supposed to happen while we're recording on Monday night, but he decided to pull the trigger a day early. Uh, But 2022 safety, uh, Byron Allen Jr. also sometimes goes by B.J. Allen, depending on the sources you're looking at. Six-foot, 180-pound safety from Alito, number 88 player overall, number six safety, number 18 player in the state of of texas pulled the trigger for texas uh on sunday which this is another big recruiting win and the first real huge one For Blake Gideon Which is really notable For a guy who had questions About his recruiting chops Coming in
1: Yeah I mean If Gideon ends up being We talked about the staff And there's developers And recruiters And guys who are great Special teams coaches And great at this But we didn't necessarily List Blake Gideon We said he had the potential To be in every resource And reason we talked To Mike Roach about this But if he ends up Being an ace In the whole recruiter I mean this staff Is just full of monsters Um, Give some uh, credit To Coach uh, Joseph as well But uh, I mean Right now like, Think about the The kind of priority defensive backfield what they needed to do what they needed to get um, I think they you know they said Jalen Gilbo he, he's there uh, Bryce Anderson uh, Denver Harris Brian Allen I mean if they're basically just in, in their strong rumblings and leanings and we won't report on rumors until they're 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 you know at least, tweeted by the recruit themselves. But uh, um, if you believe the rumors to be true, there could be more uh, good stuff on the horizon to follow up. But I don't want to skip over uh, B.J. Allen, who, who, again, for me, incredible player. Getting him on campus is amazing. But the fact that you reopen a a dormant, you know, incredible pipeline of Alito High School, which basically uh, Nick Saban had been uh, hogging all of, all to himself here the past, uh, couple years. Um, basically every five star from Alito was, was heading out, out, uh, Bama way. Um, so to, to get this, um, and I think after the decommitment, uh, from LSU, you know, there was a lot of folks who thought, okay, he's going Alabama. You saw the JoJo early kind of comparisons, but, but to get this, um, kid in a position of need, kind of building up that Gideon, uh, safety spot, I'm, I'm excited. I think he's a guy who is going to come in and just uh, have a really solid UT career. I think you know I'll be very curious to see how he develops over the next couple of years. But uh, the kid was incredibly uber productive at the high school level, and and you know just just projects it, it every phase to be you know one of the next great UT. Uh, Safeties.
0: By the time he gets Texas, he'll be a four-year starter, so he'll have a Mm -hmm. ton of snaps under his belt. Uh, He he was the uh, the, he uh, he's one of the rare players to win district newcomer of the year twice uh, because he won it as a (laughs) freshman playing four-a ball at Southwest High School, and then he moved to Alito and won. Defensive player of the year, one district newcomer as a sophomore, district player of the year as a junior, 67 tackles, six pass breakups, and two interceptions in like half a season, basically, because of mm-hmm. all the COVID stuff going mm-hmm. on. Uh, and the be- the other beautiful thing about it, you mentioned that Reuben Owens was a blow to OU. This was such a beautiful shot to the Aggies, because oh, they yeah. thought he was coming there. Oh, yeah. And it's even funnier, because <laughs> the best comparison to his play style is Brandon Jones. Ooh which just
1: drink it slow Uh, i here's here's the thing guys we're gonna start a uh a a gofundme everyone wants to kick in five dollars we'll give it to Techsags and ask them to make a documentary uh about (laughs) this recruit um because those seem to work out uh work out pretty well um no there is mm, that is just pinky out while you're sipping that tea slowly and, and savoring uh that delicious morsel of a fact um yeah, I, I, I love four year starters um, and, and and again, it's not four year starter from and, and he did play a different in his first year, but Alito is if for those of you who maybe listen to this podcast and aren't as big recruiting beatniks, Alito is is perennially one of the best schools in Texas, one of the best schools in the nation just churn out um, you know five star four high four star talent. Um, so it, you know he's he walked in and played is uh, a sophomore at it, it, one of the better teams uh, in, in the country. So this is this is good. He's productive in a way that, again, to be productive at Alito is basically like being productive at, at a small college. So uh, that should transfer well to the Big 12.
0: Yeah, his commitment went down like that first cup of warm coffee on a cold morning. It was just...
1: Also, a, a sneaky nominee since we were talking about videos. Uh, one of the oh, yeah. one of the best commitment videos I've seen, uh, certainly in this class. But but I mean, he he his video is one of my favorites that I've seen in maybe ever. Like I really liked it. The music, the the editing, the uh, I just loved everything about it. It was great.
0: So I I've been wrestling with the 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 BJ Allen video thing all weekend because. It was really. I've never seen the guy who made that that commitment video make another commitment video, so I'm excited to see if like he's a new face on the scene. The video was really well produced, but also I try. I'm trying to parse through the fact that if I liked it so much because it's the first commitment video that used music that I recognize. Um, and so like, I don't want to be just like an old and be like, Hey, this is, I like this one more than the other ones. Cause it uses some of that music. I know, like I'm officially at the age where music I grew up listening to on the radio is now played in grocery stores. So, like I'm very aware of that dynamic.
1: Let's not talk about how the quarantine club for me has basically been going once a week to the grocery store and, and dancing through the aisles. But, uh, that's another story for another day for a less full podcast.
0: Absolutely. so we'll hit some basketball real quick. It, it wasn't uh, it was a mixed week. we'll just go ahead and say it it was a mixed week. So it started off really well. Uh, number 14 ranked basketball team at the time uh, completed the first ever in school history. Season sweep of the Kansas Jayhawks, which was absolutely big on senior night. That was one of those, is like, why do you schedule Kansas for senior night? Well, now this is why. So they actually, for the first time in school history, swept the Kansas Jayhawks. You got Matt Coleman, Jason Fabrass, Royce Ham, Jericho Swims, uh, Blake Nevins, and Drayton Whiteside all honored as seniors. But it really just, this is one of the more efficient games I feel like I've seen from Texas in a very long time, in several facets of the game.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I, I thought, you know, it was senior night. They, they I it was in my fields watching Matt Coleman, you know, hug Shaka. It felt literally like a, you know, a kid who'd known since he was, what are you when you're in eighth grade? Twelve? I don't know, thirteen? Uh, basically with, with this coach, you know, and to be playing his last, uh, presumably last home game. Uh, for UT, it was it was in the fields Jace Febru, Royce Ham, Jericho Sim also in there. Um, so uh, and in Blake Nevins and White Weisshead as well. But uh, they came out and and you're right, they played with some emotion and and um, there were some uneven points I think, but they played a whole game throughout. They won on the boards with that plus twelve rebound margin. They hit free throws. A lot of the things that we've complained about um, all all season, um, they they came out and did. My favorite part of this game was you could see, to me, the sellout and want to win in this one, one in the fact that uh, you had career highs and rebounds for two of your guards. Andrew Jones had his first ever double-double because he had his career high of 10 rebounds, and Matt Coleman was behind him uh, with nine rebounds. So, I mean, that's amazing when your guards are, are going that hard. Um, you know, that that shows just a little extra uh, a little extra desire, and so the Kansas game, getting that sweep, all the up and down of the season, the COVID kind of turning point in our season, and and everything that that I'll take that as one of the sweeter points of this season that I'll I'll remember um, this season by because you know Kansas it, it, it isn't it isn't a small deal they are truly one of the elite blue bloods and they are a very good team I mean that's that let, let's not um, I've heard some people with the opposite take but they are a very good team.
0: I mean, regardless of if it's, you know, number five in the nation, Kansas, or if it's number seven, it's a ranked Kansas team, Mm -hmm. and the first game they had to go into... The fog mm-hmm. to win. Right. So, like, you know, like the fog is one of the hardest places to play in the co- in the country, because I don't know. I, they, they actually they have to be paying the ref something different up there. Right. <laughs> like, it's just super weird. A uh, big twelve officiating is questionable in every sport regardless. But like real bad there. Uh, but like Kansas is Kansas. Right. And just like in the same way where everybody loves beating Texas, even when Texas is down, beating a ranked Kansas team twice in a year feels like a good win. Now – the Saturday game didn't feel quite as good, and again, it had to be Tech because I freaking hate Tech, uh, but Texas lost to Texas Tech 68-59. to 59. People were real excited about shotgun on Tuesday, wanted to fire him on Saturday, but that's a whole separate conversation. Texas under the game 6-1 and one on the road this season, their only loss was that like terrible, terrible, terrible performance in Stillwater. Well, come to find out. Terrible, terrible performance in Lubbock as well. So, um, Kyle, this was ugly. There's no two ways to say it. Yep. Texas had a lot of opportunities to win this. They left a lot of points on the floor, but just could not capitalize on anything.
1: And and that's the reason I, I, I threw that stat in there is because I you know they came in six and one and in the games they they won and I put the road including neutral site games but were you know uh, a North Carolina team at Kansas at West Virginia they had some of their most marquee wins on the road this season they had a chance for another one um, but I thought before this game um, you know. As long as they don't do like they did on the road in Stillwater and just have the offense just disappear and crap the bed, and uh, well, the Longhorns shot 17 for 49, uh, five for 25 in the second half. Um, not good. Two for 14 from three. I mean that like when 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 you're when you're that poor in your offensive execution and your ability to put the ball uh, through the uh, the metal ring, um, it's hard to win games. And it's really hard to win games against good teams. And basically you saw Texas in in four halves this year just whoop Tech in one of them. They, they whooped them in the the uh, first half of the first meeting this year. And Tech probably won the other three. Um, I think they probably won both halves of this game. But second certainly the second half of each game, Tech just absolutely outplayed Texas in every uh, possible way of both of those games. So um, I guess kudos to Chris Beard. Uh, in that and and you know it does ask the question you know if something's not working what are Shaka's halftime adjustments and I, I don't think you know I don't think that's really been you know incredibly awful this year for Shaka but you don't want to see that be the trend where the team is up in the first half and can't close out games we've seen them close a couple games lately down the stretch and you kind of hoped it was a turning point but this certainly can be a setback but again Put the caveat of a weird COVID year and and maybe they bounce back with their with their remaining ones. I'm not sure, but uh, it was an ugly one.
0: I wasn't joking off the top when I said I'm kind of running out of adjectives to describe these types of games. And there have been games where there's been a weird like free throw disparity, right? Where Texas shot 15 fewer free throws than the other team and didn't make them, right? So that, but that wasn't the case in this game. They just could not put the ball in the basket. It felt like for so many stretches, there was just a lid on the basket where they were getting shots. They just couldn't make them. And that's not necessarily, it's not, there's not really an excuse for that other than just poor execution, right? If you're getting open shots, if you're, creating space, regardless of what the other team is doing. Like when you get shots, you make them. And I think the other thing to, to look at is Texas is, we've talked about it at its best when it's able to play inside and tech outscored Texas 32 to 20 in the paint tech is clearly the better team this year because well, zero and two against Texas tech. But like, I wouldn't say tech has a major advantage in, this, in, in the paint category.
1: There is there is a tale of two Texas Bigs here, and I don't want to get too too much in this, but Jericho Sims might be Texas' best player right now. I mean, he just looks he just looks locked in, good. He looks like he's got confidence. Texas feels confident when they know they have a safety valve of just. You know, if you don't got nothing else, throw it in the middle and let Jericho, you know, do that that play. Um, But, uh, you know, Tech double teamed him in the second half to stop that. And and you saw Texas did not score a field goal until nine minutes into the second half. I mean, basically, that was an adjustment that said, okay, we won't give you that. What else you got? Um, But, I mean, and you saw Sims in, in that Kansas game. I mean, basically, in both games this week, looked like one of our best players. But the opposite of that is Greg Brown has not necessarily looked like one of Texas's best players and and um it, he's had a little bit of trouble in the second half it seems like teams have got enough tape to know how to attack him on the defense event or on you know when texas is on defense um and that will be something to watch i mean i don't think there's a lot of people expecting brown to come back next year but i mean he's got top five talent but he is going to have to show some top five Tape to be a lottery pick, and I think right now there are some gaps in that tape. So you know, maybe a savvy, shaka smart could could talk him into uh, returning or something. I I doubt it still, but I, I think there is there's some room for improvement in this game. Certainly, uh, and I would say honestly, probably on both sides of the the court. So again, not to not to badmouth one particular player. That's not my not my style but um, you know he he is a player that stands out on a team that is a good defensive team uh, when they put their starting five out there he looks to be right now the weekly
0: Greg Brown tries to be two different players at times and I think that might be his where where the downfall happens for me like
1: are you the athletic guy who who's
0: going to you know play in the paint and Kind of use his athleticism to an advantage, or are you going to be the the stretch big man shooter? Right, which one, which one are you going to be? And now I know the game is evolving and changing, but like you've got to pick an identity, and, I, and I'm a big. I'm a believer in like as a basketball player, if you don't have an identity, like if you don't know what you're trying to do offensively, it makes you indecisive. And when you're indecisive, you don't play well. And that's that's kind of what we're seeing from, I think, him and, and some other Texas players as well. And so um, Texas has a shot to write things as the regular season closes out last three games are against um, Iowa State. OU and TCU so if Shaka can win all three he's gonna tie his own personal conference best uh which would be a big big season for him um I'm gonna go ahead and just say this um he should probably win at least two of those games yeah
1: I I, I like your confidence Cheryl and you're right that two should be you can call the OU game a toss up but two should be wins there should be wins but here's what I'm gonna say This is the first time that Texas has a tournament locked up. We aren't playing these games to get into the the postseason tournament. They are in March Madness, in the dance. Like, that's done. There isn't a single bracket and bracketology out there that has Texas out. That can't happen. They could lose all three, and they're still in. hope they don't. Um, Seriously, hope they don't. But there is something to be said. That's growth. That's progress. At the start of March, Texas is already in a March Madness. It's probably been, and this is not an exaggeration to say, uh maybe a decade, maybe a decade since Texas, with four games to remain, was all right. We're for sure. It's just a matter of how high a seed they can get. They're for sure in, and that's crazy. So okay, that's something. Let's 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 say that. Um, the other thing to watch in these last three games, Gerald. Um, do you know out of the last twenty-three shots that uh, that Andrew Jones has taken from behind the three-point line in the last four games, how many of those he has made? One. He's made a a couple more than that, less than one a game, but he has made a total of three of his last twenty threes. now under 30% for the season. So whether he either figures that out and starts hitting more, and it seems like Shaka's is giving him the shoot till you make it because you're a really great shooter um, kind of card now, or he tries to figure out in these last couple games something for a postseason type uh, performance where he he isn't just shooting as much; he's attacking more, getting to the free throw line, kind of altering that offense. This will be a little bit of a testing ground, I think, in these last couple of games. So I'll be watching very eagerly the first half of of the first game to see, you know, because I, I think this is a chance to figure something out that that you kind of take this and 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 pull pull it forward into the into the tournament.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, if if Texas can win its last two, if Texas can win two of the last three, they'll end up at, like, ten and and seven in the conference, Um, which would put them, I mean, the Big 12 has just been so freaking competitive this year. Like, the Big 12 legitimately has, what, like, seven schools that are probably going to make the tournament? One through seven all in at this point. So yeah. like Baylor is a legitimate one seed. West Virginia probably a two seed?
1: I think no, West Virginia is a two seed. I think there's yeah. some, there's some scenarios where West Virginia could screw around and get that fourth one seed. I don't think it happens. I don't but, think they will, but But they are a two seed without a doubt.
0: Yeah. I mean Texas legit I mean Big 12 legitimately will probably have like two Sweet 16 teams. Like, this is very much the case. So, so
1: I know 16 and 18 are different numbers, Gerald, but if, say, there was a Sweet 18, right now in the rankings, out of the top 18 teams, seven, seven are from the Big 12. That's a lot of really good teams that you have to play twice. That's 14 games against, not top 25 even, but top 18, just because that's the number. Tech is 18 right now. Um, Top 18. (laughs) Like, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of really, really... Really good basketball teams.
0: So we'll find out how Texas finishes the year, uh, but this time next week we'll have some definitive where Texas finished. So the number 19 Texas baseball team had an opportunity to play a little bit of what we like to call a get right series. Uh, Texas, the Bats looked just a hair slow in its opening tournament against teams that have probably – some of the best pitching staffs in the country. And so Texas had the opportunity to, to wake up the bats a little bit. And so Texas baseball took three of four against BYU in a Wednesday through Saturday four-game series. Took the series, but did not get the sweep. Wednesday three-to-one Thursday, twelve to six, bats were alive. That and Friday, eleven to one, that was really a game about pitching, even though the bats were alive as well. Uh, and then Saturday, a kind of one bad inning really led Texas to the loss. There, uh, lost five to four on Saturday.
1: Usually, three games is enough for a sweep. They just did a yeah. Why play the fourth one? You know, come on, they should have had a sweep there. But no, um, this so yeah, they they. There was a feeling of like, how good is this team, right? But they've lost all three of their games. But also, um, just for what it's worth, uh, the teams that they've lost to are now ranked number one, number two, and number five um, in the country. So it, it, <laughs> you cannot start a season, uh, I guess, unless you played one, two, and three um, harder. I don't know that any team has ever started with a harder opening than than that. So you know, there was a question mark of, okay, what is this team? Bats weren't working even the arms weren't what we expected them to be but let's let's get a, a bit of a recalibration so three out of four against BYU tells me this is a good team uh, potentially a very good team they have some elements that are that are really really good I'm going to start out of order and just say Friday because Ty Madden is our number one starter um, they won 11 to one in that game if that game Friday, 11 to one victory over BYU is the Texas team and that's the template and that's the formula they're putting out there. 90% of the season then this is a really really good team right Madden took a no-no into the seventh. his only hit was a it was an infield single but uh, in seven innings one hit 11 strikeouts Texas was up 10 to zero when he went out. I mean that's like you cannot ask for anything better. that's that's perfect Texas baseball right there. Um, the Wednesday game? Bats were still struggling. Um, Thursday, bats were alive. Like you said, Friday, one inning kind of derailed. Um, but if they would have just scored 10 runs again, um, then, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. But um, so yeah, there is a little unevenness. But again, it's it's a COVID year. It's the beginning. This is your first home series after having to go during a middle of a literal, like, n- I think, you no longer have these terms mean anything, but once in the deck generation uh, like weather event, they had to travel to Houston and play the toughest opening schedule in the history of college baseball. So it's been a little bit, a little bit finicky. So um, I think over the next two weeks we'll we'll get a good view um, of kind of equalizing between those two, uh, those two uh, types of games. And I don't mean to downplay BYU. I think they could be a pretty decent team, Um, but they certainly aren't the level of the opening three.
0: I think Texas is probably somewhere in between what we saw against in the opening. Because really, like when you look at what what that initial like 0-3 start was, the Bats looked like a, a team that hadn't had BP in a while. Like That's what the, they looked like. Because, again, middle of a snowstorm, in the middle of a pandemic, they just hadn't taken really good BP in a couple days, and the Bats were off. And so they got a week of good weather and good practice. And the bats were significantly better. Like, they, again, didn't strike out as much. There's still kind of a high strikeout count on the weekend. Uh, But you have that fourth game that kind of floats the average a little bit. Um, But, like, the simple fact that Cam Williams, you know, one Big 12 player of the week, like, hit 8 of 18, five extra base hits, drove in eight, three home runs, like – his bat is very clearly alive and it seems like the way his bat goes, the rest of the lineup seems to go, um, where he, he took the lid off of it in Wednesday and everyone was like, Oh, we can actually hit. Let's go and do this. Yeah.
1: They, and so they call him the hammer and that, and if, if it wasn't for the Hispanic Titanic being on the team, then he would have obviously the best (laughs) nickname and no offense to, to Cam Williams, not a guy I want mad at me. I know he probably listens to this podcast. So Cam, I love you. Um, Cam Williams plays like this, where he could just come in and just, you know, crush a ball 400 feet at any given time, um, and, and do that to to pitching staffs. Then I think um, I think you're right. That will spark a lot of things. For this, I kind of feel like that, you know, Mike Antico had a home run stolen from him. That was the reason that Pierce got tossed in that first game. Um, and what did he do? Antico came back in the in the eighth inning and, and had the kind of uh, two run single the, the game winning. Basically, they won three to one um, single. And just as he ran down first base, just, you know, the guy's only been here a few months, but he gets it just screaming to the dugout, you know, in that energy. Well, what do they do the next two games? They put up 23 runs, you know, so I feel like there is some of that this this team feeds on off of that. So if you get, you know, some of your, your key anchor guys, and and I'm not calling out Zach Zubia, but you know, you if you get a couple of those guys kind of tent pulled then I feel like the rest of this team will feed off of that and, and we can, you know, make the bats consistent thing, uh, that are, that are team wide. And again, the arms I feel like are going to be there. I feel very confident with Ty Madden. Um, you know, I, I I think, uh, there's going to be Any number of either Cole Quintanilla or Palmer Wenzel or someone is going to come through. I think Tristan Stevens, like, we will have another guy who's on each weekend. It's just a matter of finding who that is after Madden, what that looks like, the rotation, the starters, the who's on what night. Um, And and Pierce is a very smart coach, and he does tinker a bit with his rotation. So we'll see that develop through the next couple weeks as well.
0: And I I think to your point, like, I remember the spark that Casey Clemens gave in that last tournament run. Like, they got, like baseball bat, batting is like this weird, like hybrid sport. It's not necessarily an individual. It's not necessarily like a team thing, but if one of the bats is feeling it, the other guys like ride that wave. And so again, if a couple of those guys seem to pick it up, um, you might see the, the wave continue. So we can't, obviously we talked about Ty Madden um, who took a no, no into the seventh against, against BYU and rode that to a 10, nothing I think he uh, pitched seven, gave up a hit, struck out 11, got pitcher of the week for, for that as well. So upcoming for Texas, they've got Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, uh, Texas State in San Marcos, and then a weekend series in Houston against Coach Pierce's alma mater. So that's the part of the show where we try to go through as quickly <laughs> as possible the other massive things that happen on campus in the sports world. Literally, I think every sport that's in season like everything but football basically played this weekend um, yeah. so let's try to run through it Kyle what
1: do you think we'll do a quick inside baseball here folks Gerald and I talked about do we do we split this as two different podcasts just so it's not uh, so long but I think it's you want this time well you need this in your ears let's live it all together if you saw uh, our Twitter account and the, the official UT sports one tweeted out the, the office scene where Dwight um, does the fire drill and it's like okay it's happening and they put a different sport on each of the office characters running frantically through the office that is how it felt being someone whose job it is to to cover uh, UT sports which again is why I, I conveniently disappeared for the weekend um, so left that on, on Gerald but I have caught up and I have done meticulous uh, show noting as I've as I've uh, caught up on everything through the past 24 hours so we are ready let's run down the 40.
0: longest Google doc we've ever had for this podcast so we got to start with the champions they're actually. Four different champions so we'll start with uh, men's swimming and diving and women's swimming and diving number one and number eight respectively both um, the men swept the big 12 tournament the ladies won a, a disappointing nope 17 of 18 <laughs> events to claim a conference title diving is actively diving for championships as we <laughs> speak but the um, it's looking good there as well but big weekend in the pool for the swimming team
1: Absolutely, I mean, it, it, it's uh, if, if unless there's a miracle, it's Monday night when we're recording this unless something miraculous happens this will be the 42nd consecutive again, 42nd consecutive conference title for Eddie Reese um, as the, the coach of the Texas men's swimming team, um, and it just if there was not an Eddie Reese, then it would sound so incredibly impressive that Coach Capitani is is, is uh is, is most likely gonna walk away with with nine and nine. Um but again that that's that's you just gotta quadruple that to catch up or get into Eddie's sphere, but uh I have all the faith.
0: If Eddie's on campus, it's happening, right? Like that's really all it is. But another championship weekend, Tower little Burn Orange Number three women's track and field, number 11 men's track and field, Um, took the Big 12 Indoor Championships fourth straight for the ladies, first on the men's side since 2017, Uh, and they happen to just be the first Big 12 school to take both since um, Texas did it back in 2015.
1: Yeah, th- there were there were some individual performers who were incredible. Shouts to Trip uh, Pupieri, who who I think earned his conversation, in our, our Longhorn track and field Mount Rushmore continues to just be a monster in the in the uh, the shot put, uh, and Kennedy Flanell just won you know the 60 meter and the 200 meter, and you know it's been setting records, especially in that 200 meter all season. So you know very fast. very very uh, strong you know a national champion contender there. Um, but to give everyone their due, Stacy and Williams won the 400. Uh, uh, Divicia Patterson is the Big 12 champ in the 600. Uh, women's 60 was uh, Chanel Brissett, Women's pentathlon was Christine Blazavica. And uh, and then on the men's side, uh, Micaiah Harris won the 200. I think that to uh, track Pierce is, is my favorite uh, event. The 100, of course, gets all the glory, but the 200 is a little bit longer, but still a full sprint. Uh, and they they swept the men's and women's of that. Uh, the mile, Yusuf uh, Bizimana, again Texas track chef's kiss names um in the uh, the men's four by four was the decider uh it was the last kind of uh, event if, if texas won it they won uh the men's and swept the whole thing and john moss again micaiah harris charles brockman the third and willington right all came through to take that one and give the overall meat victory to the horns
0: that sounds like a law firm if I've ever heard one. But
1: <laughs> with their performance on the weekend,
0: 20 Longhorns qualified for the NCAA 13 on the men, women's side, seven on the men's, which is going to take place in two weeks in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We also got our uh, announcement of the Clyde Littlefield Texas Relays, the 93rd. Clyde Littlefield, Texas relays will take place March 25th through 27th. Big change this year, though. No high school athletes will be in attendance for the weekend.
1: It also won't be quote relays the weekend and culture event around it. I, I hope at least, um, because we are again, still in, in, um, a pandemic. uh, pandemic COVID is still out there. Um, so, so don't, please don't show up to Austin and go to the club and expect a relay atmosphere. I, I again, I hope it isn't happening like that, but, um, the, the The fact here, Gerald, that blew my mind—the relays have been happening since 1925, and before they canceled last year, the only time they didn't do it was 1932 to 1935 during the, the Great Depression. So, um, get get the relays back. I understand we're in a pandemic, but it feels good. It feels good to get this back. It feels somewhat whole again.
0: Feels good to be back. Speaking of, feels good to be back. Number two, Texas volleyball, probably. I don't know one of the favorite teams on this podcast is back for the first time in action since November 13th and just decided to do the best thing ever sweep the Oklahoma Sooners. 3 nothing, 3 nothing. Just just
1: beautiful. It's it's wonderful, it gets no better than just sweeping OU 16 and 0 on the season. Basically what they said is these um, the big 12 championship is already done. These don't count necessarily towards the big 12 standing, the, the conference standings. Um, but they are, you know, still towards the overall record and overall, um, ranking. So it's kind of an interesting world we find ourselves, um, in, but they did add two elite international outside hitters who sat out of that fall season due to COVID, uh, Italy's, uh, uh, Malwal, um she's you know come from the 2018 european championship gold medalist team uh u19 i should say and then the u20 world championship silver uh, in 2019 so she's she's been uh competing at an elite level and the same goes for melanie para of mexico who's represented the mexico senior national team since she was 16 um Parra actually slotted immediately in and played against ou so uh, i'll be curious to see those two work their way in again they're not. They're international, so they don't necessarily get the rankings, but just think of it as two five-star recruits just added midseason to the number two, should be number one, team in the country. And this team is real good.
0: They are absolutely incredible. They somehow got better from where they were uh, just a few months ago. But next up uh, is number six, Baylor. Texas has dropped eight sets all year. Half of those came against their, well, Sweep of the Baylor Bears during the Big 12 season. So uh, literally right after the women's basketball game ended tonight, they were flipping the Irwin Center for that matchup. And so we'll be excited to watch that this week. Ladies continuing to be excellent. Number seven softball went 5 nothing. 5-0 and with the Lone Star State Invitational. A Friday doubleheader win over Sam Houston and Lamar. 8-7 to over Mississippi State. And a Sunday doubleheader over UConn and Ole Miss. They improved to 8-0 and on the season. But more importantly, Kyle, Texas is up to three run rules on the year already.
1: That's right. They got UConn and Lamar both in five innings. Um, we'll be tallying that for you all season. Love to see that. Um, I have a couple other things that I'm tallying. And I don't usually tip this early but i'll say my um my bang the drum might feature some more softball so uh, you will hear about one of my favorite players on the 40 acres in that section but i do want to give a shout out before we move on uh our girl mary ayacopa homered for the fourth consecutive game became the first longhorn to hit in four straight since all-american lindsey stevens went five straight uh, back in 2016 so we'll be watching to see if mary can match her maybe even best her go six straight why not?
0: It's number two women's tennis, top UCF, 4 nothing over the weekend. The men, number six, ranked top two lane, 4-3. to three. So the ladies uh, have UTSA this week before traveling to Waco on the weekend. Be safe in Waco, ladies. And uh, next up for the men is conference play against number 23, Oklahoma State over the weekend. Number 10 men's golf opened up the spring play with a second-place finish at the Border Olympics Tournament in Laredo. Laredo, uh, Notre Dame grad transfer Hunter Ostrom finished uh, for top honors at 4-under. Uh, senior Chris Bring was a shot behind at 3-under. Uh, they rested three players, their top three players, actually, Colham, Pearson Cootie, and Travis Vick, who um, were all uh, expected back for the Cabo Invitational in San
1: Antonio. So, Gerald, I had a question for you. Which of these is a worse letdown when you understand something to be true? Getting the Maui Invitational in Asheville, as our men's basketball team did, or getting the Cabo Collegiate Tournament in San Antonio, both relocated to COVID, which one is a bigger letdown?
0: I think for me, and call me biased, you and I are both grew up in the San Antonio area, but I feel like the food is going to be at least better in San Antonio than it is in Asheville. So if you're if a I vegan, can... maybe not. If you're I know vegan, Asheville maybe not. But...
1: It's a good, good hippie kind of vegan uh, scene there.
0: Yeah, but if I can get good Mexican food and good barbecue, like, I'm not, like, I'm disappointed that we're not in Mexico, but, like, at least I'm eating good, Right.
1: That's fair. The scenes may not be quite as nice, but there is a Pinkertons that just opened up in San Antonio. There's some other. Come on, let's Harmons, uh, Texas Pride. There, there's some great barbecue in San Antonio over the past few years as well. But come on, Pinkertons now there. Uh, you're right. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I would take Asheville just because I've spent so much of my life in san antonio i would be so let down about staying home um (laughs) instead of cabo so at least i've never been to Asheville. that would be something new to see in the way bill walton showed those pictures of him camping every um 35 seconds it looked like it was nice
0: i mean both both are super disappointing let's just be real here uh (laughs) women's basketball top kansas uh 61 52 on wednesday and then lost back to back 68 63 and kind of a come from behind upset uh against ou and then 64 to 57 against baylor which that's it's kind of just what you do against baylor basketball but charlie collier up for some uh, up for some hardware
1: yeah absolutely collier one of the 10 semifinals for the Smith defensive player of the year in addition um to all the offensive and overall player of the year accolades that she's gotten um again big 12 representing here tex britney brewer and baylor's lauren cox and Dee richards were among the 10 so four of the 10 uh, defensive players of the year uh were in the big 12 but uh one in one week, uh, uh, or excuse me, in 0-2 in, oh, in week, actually, against OU and, and Baylor is not the best thing. I don't want to talk too much more about this. Charlie Collier's really good, though, and, and, and my hope, we'll talk about it a little bit down the way, is that she sticks around and plays with some of this talent they have coming in.
0: Uh, good news on the football trail So uh, Brandon Harris Who is the newly minted Director of recruiting backfilling Brian Carrington who left for USC Was offered the a quarterbacking coach Job with the LA Rams But actually announced Sunday That he'd be staying as part of the Texas staff To fill out that director of recruiting role Which is a role that many uh, Committed players and current uh, Texas Longhorns are very happy with So I, if they're happy I'm happy. Uh, and continuing the staffing, the recruiting, like the the staff that Sark is building is just second to none. Um, so Taylor Searles, you may um uh, you may recognize that last name. Daughter of uh, former Texas offensive line coach Stacy Searles, um, is now going to be the director of recruiting operations. And so basically, her role is going to it seems like function as the on campus kind of host and in um coordinator for when people come on campus to visit which is it's weird that texas hasn't had that position before but it absolutely makes sense that one uh somebody with the texas pedigree would fill it and two she just comes really highly regarded in like the the athletic uh realm
1: and and, and uh, her dad is currently coaching again under mac brown at uh, unc but She uh, was a Longhorn. She graduated from UT and is a diehard Longhorn, so she's back where she belongs again. We will all cheer for Mac and and Stacy over there in North Carolina, but you you can't just... Burnt Orange is always going to be your number one. You know, it just isn't the same, so I'm glad to have her back on the 40. All right, Gerald, now it's time to take a look at the rest of the world with some Burnt Orange colored lenses. The first one is a bit of a doozy. Right before we started recording the show, it was announced that Tom Herman... Hired by the Chicago Bears as a quote offensive analyst and special projects coach, which I imagine that means um, he will be in charge of urine levels. I mean, I don't know what's a special projects coach, Gerald. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't either. Never I, heard it. Nope,
0: it's fine. Let's just accuse him of failing upward. Nope, another conversation.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it is. He's he's not a, a you go from a head coach to a a not a listed coach right he's he's an analyst um is is uh different but you know just to think about me getting fired from this podcast and getting paid 15 million dollars to do it and then getting let's say i don't know another two hundred thousand to go live in chicago and eat deep dish pizza um and watch game film um somehow i feel like we're in the wrong profession but anyways uh congrats coach herman he, uh, he left UT probably not the way he wanted to or fans wanted to, but uh, does we've both said he's a smart guy um, when, when he gets out of his own way and, and does have, surely, a long career ahead of him. So uh, if this is step one, it will be interesting to watch, and uh, we do always keep an eye on the former coaches and kind of see what they're up to. So uh, good luck to you, Tom. All right, Maniacho. Longhorn, a uh, former Longhorn football player, now uh, Instagram influencer, YouTube um, content creator, uh, book writer, and that's Oprah's so BFF. Yeah, that's right, that's right, and Oprah's BFF. Um, a man of many talents, who is Michael Strahan, his way from a football career uh, to a a um, kind of TV personality, is is notched the next chapter in his belt uh, after some, you know items, some things were said. Uh the Bachelor, um, I don't know, permanently temporarily uh removed Chris Harrison from the hosting roles after I think they have something absurd, like ninety seven seasons. Um but uh Emmanuel Acha will serve uh as the the host for kind of the, the final uh, episode of the season it is interesting right this is the first time they've had a black male bachelor in the history of the show there's been some some race issue things come up whatever um, I think emmanuel show is probably the right guy to do that because he's empathetic he's he's likable he brings um, you know an interesting perspective to it so uh we, we've had Sam on this very podcast maybe we'll have to get Uh, Emmanuel on in the future. He may be too big for us now, though. I mean, you don't get bigger than The Bachelor. So, uh, Joe, will you be tuning in to watch this?
0: Uh, Since it's happening, like, right now, no. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean... It, I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> and so it, it,
0: before we jump too deep in this, it's the, the, the normal host of the bachelor bachelorette was not like fired. He's chose to like, Hey, I said something that apparently hurt people. So I'm going to take a step back. Um, yeah. and, and Maniacho is a rising star in, in the media industry, rightfully. So he's good at what he does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so, you know what? It's good to see him and good to see longhorns out there. Uh, I'm not a bachelor bachelorette. Honestly, <laughs> when he announced it, I thought he was going to be the bachelor. And I was like, Wait. right.
1: I, I did too. I, <laughs> actually saw him holding a rose and i was like oh wow and i went to go tell my wife because she is a big fan of the show and i was gonna say we we will both know and then she explained to me read the thing oh i read it and now he's the host which you know maybe a host parlays into a i don't know i don't know how it works but nonetheless we're proud of you manny keep up the good work you're gonna own all of media you're gonna be the next oprah before it's all said and done um speaking of a lovable longhorn football player sam ellinger was awarded the Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year. And I think of all the awards um, that he was nominated for, the probably one he was most well-suited for was Man of the Year, Sam Ellinger. Always been a great guy, a community advocate, a leader on his team, um, and just by all accounts, a, you know, a stand-up human being no matter um, what you thought of his, his throwing motion. So, um, love Sam. Huge uh, congrats to him on that one.
0: Yeah, I, the, the surprise that they did for him to announce it was great. And again, Sam, uh, regardless of, of what you think about his on-the-field play, you cannot deny that Sam Ellinger is like the kind of guy you want representing university, and I'm very glad that we have him. I, I
1: love that. Um, a guy who I've been I've been loving to watch this, this renaissance, i kind of been singling out a couple single NBA players instead of doing our rundown of every NBA player, and this show can only squeeze one in. So I'm going to focus on Jared Allen. Um, he's been amazing lately. I jokingly tweeted out that Texas won uh, or excuse me, not Texas uh, but the Cavs won the James Harden trade, but uh, Allen put up his career best 26 points uh, and then the next night, did it again put up 26 and 18 and in those two games only missed one field goal which was just absolutely nuts he also had a coast to coast rebound all the way through the paint, Statue of Liberty dunk in the midst of all that that just kind of made me think like he might legitimately. We might be talking about two of the best. Probably, I don't know, ten uh, bigs in the league being being uh, Miles Turner and Jared Allen right now. And and I don't feel like enough of the uh, non-Texas fans are realizing that that they are uh, there's some there's some dominant bigs. Lamarcus Aldridge declines a smidge, and PJ Tucker gets up there in years. Uh, even if Mo Bamba takes a little while to get it going, there's already some elite big men from the burnt orange uh, out there dominating the NBA. So there was a news also came out football related. Crystal Conti uh, talking about 2021 announced a hundred percent capacity is his expectation for next football season. So uh, Gerald, what do you think? You, you, you think, you think we're going to hit hundred percent?
0: Um, maybe, I mean, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I think we will. Will it be smart at in August? Maybe not. But again, sure. Things, things are are on an uptick. Uh, at least as far as, uh, positive news, as far as COVID goes, I got signed up for my vaccine. So, uh, hopefully, uh, things we, we, we will reach the, the markers and the points that we need to for this, not to be a bad decision for next year.
1: Oh no, honestly, I was going the other way. hundred percent's way too low. Let's get that thing to like 110% capacity, <laughs> baby pack the house, break some records. Uh, speaking of record breaking, I thought this had never happened before. Gerald has a rebuttal here in a moment, but a trio. Of women's basketball signees i referenced them earlier will be uh, named not playing in i almost said but named mcdonald's all-americans they canceled that game again due to covid um, but they still honored the uh, players which would have been playing in it um vick schaefer's first class has been much much lauded currently ranks number four in the country um, but includes the uh trio of top 25 players rory hammond who's the number one point guard in the country Uh, Aaliyah Moore, who's the number three overall player in the country, and Kendall Hunter, who happens to be Rory Hammond's uh, teammate in high school, which is absolutely intimidating for anyone in the Cypress area or the great state of Texas who has to play them, a one and two guard uh, who are both top 20 players in the country. So uh, big, big things. That's why I mentioned I hope Charlie Collier could stick around and play with some of this talent and and coach them up, help bridge that gap to the next Generation And uh, looks good for Vic. But, Gerald, you said – you corrected me. I said this is the first time that Texas had ever had three in a McDonald's All-American game. And you said
0: – It happened on the men's side once, 2004. Daniel Gibson, name we know. LaMarcus Aldridge, name we know. Mike Williams, name you maybe don't know. Played for two years at Texas. Took a couple of years off due to transfer and ended up at Cincinnati, where he was actually a pretty solid contributor in his final year playing basketball
1: great research uh that's it for me on on the burn orange lenses let's switch it now over to the godzilla gerald what have you been watching your giant screens
0: uh, i've got a membership to, to 247 i like to support people that are good doing good work and well i think that mike roach is one of the best in the recruiting industry and so i want to rec- uh, support him and what he's got going on so uh subbed over at 247 and part of that gets the CBS All Access, which is turning into, like, Paramount Plus Mm. on, like, Wednesday or Thursday, but I've been perusing, and you know they've got like all of the old Nickelodeon shows that you and I grew up. So I watched some Kenan and Kel the other night. Holds up nice. really well. Nice. Holds up really, really well. Uh, some of the old '90s like Nickelodeon cartoons are real, real weird. Um, like super weird. Didn't didn't expect it to be that weird, but uh, they definitely are. But the thing that like I'm trying to I'm trying to do I'm trying to remedy, gotta fix one of the biggest holes in like my nerd repertoire is like I've not really watched any Star Trek. Like it's not really mm. a thing I've done but i like don't know where to start cuz like you've got the OG star trek you've got next generation with picard you've got all you've got like nine series so like where do i jump in and i need like this is going to sound whatever but like I need something that's going to like draw me in pretty quickly, or I'm going to nope out. Like, it's just one of the things that at this point in my life, I need to feel like I've got, I've got limited time to just watch what I want to watch by myself. So like, I need something that's going to be worth my time. So if this, if you're a Star Trek person, hit me up on Twitter, tell me like what I should watch, what's going to keep my attention. uh, So I don't waste my time.
1: I love that. Uh, Let's crowdsource this guys. We haven't, we haven't asked for a, uh, a, a, crowdsource suggestion here in a while so tweet at us with the uh tweet at the show at longhorn pod with the uh, the hashtag godzillatron you get a better hashtag gerald what do you want what do you want them to tweet you at
0: just tweet directly at me just just tweet at me and use <laughs> just, you can use replies to texas you can use gerald's a nerd i don't care i'll get the <laughs> notification regardless
1: fair enough i love it um gerald I, like i said i was i was off the grid this weekend. The only thing I've caught up on since is QT Sports, um, and uh, I, I my my wife started a new job in the middle of all this craziness um, last week. And so, uh, honestly, just between her and debriefing and, and getting uh, you know dinners and prepped and things going on, I haven't watched a single thing. Like, I, I literally have not watched and consumed anything that wasn't a UT sport in the past week, which is crazy. Uh, I try to balance a little bit better. But what I did do um, is I, I um, left my book sitting on the kitchen table when I went to unplug for a week. But luckily, the cabin I stayed in had a copy of The Hobbit. Um, I had never read it. I'd never read um, really any Tolkien and I know you are are the bigger nerd here but I am I am a a literary buff I try to credit myself and whether you consider yourself a nerd or a person who just likes books there's a huge literally 100% overlap on that uh, Venn diagram that says that the Lord of the Rings Hobbit and anything basically that that J.R. Tolkien wrote is is you know is pantheon stuff. So it was exciting. It was the first thing I'd ever read uh, of him. I'm sure I'd read excerpts of Lord of the Rings and things. Um, But uh, it's funny because he set the, the standard for so many things. It's funny to read it. I almost thought it would be more like biblical and, ha- and and just like haughty and hand down the word uh, but he's very playful at least in the Hobbit and again I'm speaking here readers tell me if, if, if I need to read something else um, but his language is a bit playful and, it, and you remember that it does have kind of it's very approachable for younger readers this the way he writes um, but you know also you know learn some words and some vocabulary and just some interesting world building um, and I did not finish uh, the Hobbit in the weekend but I got a good chunk through and uh, I will be finishing that soon because uh, I, I um, went ahead and told the, the lady at the front. And she said, take it with you. Um, so then I now want a copy of The Hobbit. But uh, yeah, didn't watch anything. And that's kind of refreshing. So uh, heading into March 2021, and I'll try to watch some more things. But it's also kind of nice. Maybe I'll get my uh, get my book reading back on. I haven't been as strong. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll update in this section there, too.
0: Someone who's as into to Game of Thrones, the books and, and the lore behind it as you are, it's surprising to me that you've not dove into to, to Tolkien, which is fine.
1: I know. I have seen the movies, and that's an incredibly poor cop out. I've played, you know, thousands of hours. I think of Skyrim, um, so I'm all over it. Uh, I just haven't read the actual tome, the source material uh, that all of these things, you know, uh, basically try to try to riff off of, right? The, the the original. There's a word that I'm searching for here, but the the original source material, basically. Um, so yeah, it, it's remedying both of us. Fill in some some holes in our in our, our punch card. I'm proud of you, Kyle, for doing that. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best
0: traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: I mentioned that I was going to be coming back to it. I Obviously, we love uh, the softball team, and we think they are a really, really good team. I think one of the best players in the nation uh, happens to play on the 40 acres in, in softball. And I think when I was doing a little research... I think there is a player on the 40 acres, believe it or not, who is underrated. I know that the Burn Orange media conspiracy will tell you that every Longhorn ever is actually overrated and they're not that good. Um, I don't think that's true either, but there's one who is truly and utterly underrated. Junior second baseman Janae Jefferson on the Texas women's softball team uh, became the 11th Longhorn this weekend across the 200 hit mark. Um, and again, remember I said junior, she trails all-time Texas hit leader Bridget Washington, who... Graduated in 2014 um, by about uh, 50 hits. So she will almost certainly pass her and be our all time hit leader because, again, she might do that this season and she got a whole nother season um, where she can come back. And she has played three seasons and she is a three time All American based on last season as well. Um, She has a chance to be, I don't know if she'll get five of them, but she has a chance to be a four time All American and during my research, I really could not find uh, outside of swimming and track where you can be an All American in a particular event and you can, in theory, have an infinite number of events. So it kind of throws the skew off. So I'm going to say in team sports at the University of Texas, I could not find any history of a four time all-american baseball uh had a few three-timers many 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 two-time um football had i think six three-time all-americans no four times again freshmen really didn't get to play as much back in the day so that's a bit unfair basketball um certainly never had uh any any in the three time i don't even know if we had i don't think we've ever had a two-time all-american in basketball um and so she is really going to uncharted uh, ground if she is able to, you know, rack up a fourth All American. And, and how is she doing this year? You ask. Okay, stop talking historically. Well, um, you know, not too bad. She's uh, she's hitting .462 uh, in OPS over a thousand. Um, she uh, she's currently got a couple doubles. Um, She has uh, a couple RBIs. Again, she's one of the fastest players, one of the best infielders. Oh, and she also is riding a 25 straight uh, games reaching base streak that dates back to last season. That's the fifth longest in Texas history. So she picked up where she left off last year on just an unbelievably hot start to that season and has showed no signs of slowing down for our three-time All-American and soon, hopefully. Fingers crossed to be for time All-American. So tune in, watch women's softball, but for nothing else than to watch Janae Jefferson, one of the best and most underrated Longhorns on the 40 acres.
0: It's crazy to me the amount of talent that that softball program has put through in such a short amount of time, right? They're, I, they're the youngest, like, program on campus, and they've had some just absolute incredible, incredible athletes come through. So, uh, so I'm banging the drum this week on something that is not even – uh, it might be tangentially at best related to the University of Texas. So, um, RJ Young, if you don't know him or follow him on Twitter, dude is like a prolific content creator. He's he's really worked his tail off to build a brand. Um, and, and through that, got hired by Fox Sports to do some, um, you know, he's got he's got a, a, a show, a new show on it. Um, he's got a, a YouTube channel. It's got a bunch of subscribers. He's got like 20,000-something subscribers. Um, followers on Twitter. Dude dude does a lot of good work, but um he put out a top 10 list of the top 10 Heisman winners of the last 10 years and he's got Baker Mayfield at number 1. Um and that's ahead of Joe Burrow who has had who had the like statistical best season by a quarterback in a very long time. Um he's got Johnny Manziel at number 10 which like I think we forget how good Johnny Manziel was. He's kind of the only reason why AM was competitive in the SEC during the Sumlin years. So, like, a list is so bad that it's got me defending Joe Burrow and Johnny Manziel. Like, that's how bad that list is. And and this, there's been like this weird revisionist history around um, Baker Mayfield. Like, uh, another guy I love and respect, Bill Connolly, put Baker Mayfield above like Vince Young and Cam Newton as like best college quarterback performances. And I'm like, dude, like I love Bill Connolly and the work work he's done for analytics nerds like me cannot be understated. But like, I just don't like, where is this like sudden love for Baker Mayfield coming from? Like the guy, the guy, great story. And Honestly, if Baker Mayfield goes to any other school, I probably don't hate him quite as much, but like putting him above Joe Burrow, Putting him above Cam Newton, who has one of the greatest single seasons one of the greatest single season careers really in college football history? Like that's just that's just asinine.
1: Gerald RJ Young created a following by covering the University of Oklahoma. He he has ranked Adrian Peterson over over Ricky Williams in in. You know various career running back lists. Just the the man thrives on tomfoolery, and he did it exactly the way you are supposed to do it to get hired by a Fox radio station that employs the likes, or a Fox station that employs the likes of Clay Travis and uh, in his his skip and and, and uh, Jason Whitlock at some point, they, they like a, a person with a controversial opinion to, to get the mojo flowing on the on the, 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 the interwebs, get the likes and comments and and, and quote tweets and, and, and replies. Um, and so so I get it. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. I wonder if a he was not an Oklahoma guy and B, if he you know truly uh, wasn't just doing for the clicks, if he really in his heart of hearts, would even believe that? Maybe you would. Like, I mean, I personally think Case McCoy is one of the top seven scrambling quarterbacks to ever play football. So I get it. Their bias can. I'm obviously joking. I'm. I'm. I am a journalist with a J, unlike people uh, I just listed. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Don't let it rile you up, Gerald. Keep your zen about you. It is ridiculous. It doesn't. Uh, it is outside of the realms of truth and reality. Uh, but you know, Baker Mayfield also needs to stop making funny commercials because I don't. Don't like when I laugh and 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 like him. It's 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 not something that I want to do. So he needs to just stop because all of his like State Farm Protect Your House, where he's like picking up the garbage in in the Brown Stadium. I kind of like those, and 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 I hate it. Just
0: find the picture of him shirtless with a car and a tiger, and you'll start hating him all <laughs> over again. But that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Kirby. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter, Matt G.H. Gooders follow show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can catch me Wednesday in your podcast feeds talking about the latest episode of WandaVision with Raymond Summerlin on Two Woke Nerds. You can follow the show on uh, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. And as always, you can shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em.
1: Hashtag no money is enough to be.